we've created a space where she has everything she needs in, in an office for the child, you know, the exosopter and the porta crib and that kind of thing. Michelle Lamb, the owner of Better Home Texas, spent the first half of her career building up other businesses as CEO, vice president, and principal, to name a few. In 2020, she knew it was time to take a leap of faith and create the company that she wanted to see in home improvement, all during the pandemic. Welcome back. My name is Annie Sobolski, and I'm your co-host of Women at Work, a podcast for and about the women of the remodeling and construction industries, brought to you by Pro Remodeler and Pro Builder magazines. Against all odds in the beginning, and boosted by the meteoric rise of remodeling in 2020, Better Home Texas actually exceeded their 2020 revenue goals. Uh, I chatted with Michelle when it was starting out for a feature on women-owned businesses, and I was very impressed with the company culture that she envisioned. So I wanted to check back in and see how it's going half a year later. And to my surprise, they actually have a new office team member. A baby. Michelle and I discuss how she made the baby at work policy for young mothers, designing a healthy company culture, and the best platforms to find specific hires. But first, a quick request from me. If you like what you're hearing and want us to keep putting out new episodes, it would mean a lot if you would leave us a rating and review wherever you get your audio. Even a short review helps show support for women builders, remodelers, designers, and business managers who are crushing it at work and beyond. And on to the show. We started a infant at work program where people could bring their child to work up until the child is 13 months old. Individual was pregnant and went on maternity leave, and then she said, hey, I can't come back because I can't leave her at daycare kind of thing. And I thought, gosh, in this day and age, you can certainly answer the phone and have an infant there with you, you know, and it's not as if she's going to be out in the warehouse around, you know, hazardous material or that kind of thing. So she's bringing her to the office and created a program. I did a couple of Google searches, and there's um, some free resources out there that really help companies create a template for a infinite work program. Those that are in positions that cannot bring their child to work um, because it's just not safe, you know, if they're installers or something like that, then, you know, we'd be able to subsidize um, daycare to help them with that until a child's a certain age. So, Oh, that's so exciting and very unique. I've never heard that before, especially in the remodeling industry. Um, so what is what does that look like? Is she on the floor with other people and the, the baby just kind of hangs out? Or is there a room for people with children? She, well, because we're a small company, uh, it's, it's just one person at this point. She, uh, her child is uh, about five months old. We've created a space where she has everything she needs in, in an office for the child, you know, the exosopter and the porta crib and that kind of thing. The goal is to be able to do it until she's at walking age. I know some companies do it until the child is six months old because they get more, you know, active and things like that. But uh, we agreed to kind of play it by year. And if we're able to do it until 13 months old, then then we'll do that. I think the most well, important thing that the article that I've read was to have clear guidelines. So it's not just, you know, oh, bring your kid to work. We documented everything as far as who's responsible for what. And if she, you know, is uh, on a call or something that, and the baby needs attention, who's going to be, you know, the uh, the other on-site, you know, caregiver uh, if the child needs, you know, somebody to, to watch them or, or something of that nature. So I think that the entire company was has embraced and is kind of looking forward to. And how has her response been to it? 
Oh, very positive. Um, she was planning on, on staying at home, and she's like, I love the company. I love, and she'd been with us for a long time, and I worked with her previously. She was very thankful, and uh, we're just really uh, thrilled to, to, to have her back. You know, something that came up a lot in our conversation earlier for the women-owned business feature was how big company culture is for you. And you can see that on your website and, and just the way you present the business. What are some things that Better Home Texas has done to improve morale, especially during this kind of year and a half, two years we've had? Well, I think, um, you know, starting from a, from the ground up and kind of creating what it is that, you know, a place that I want to work to uh, work at every day and a place I want to be um, is, is something that I've really um, um, taken to heart of what kind of environment uh, do I like, uh, what to, uh, you know, and, and that would be a place I want to be in, a place that makes me feel good and I'm happy to be here, you know, from silly things that, you know, Seemingly insignificant, we're in a uh, industrial uh, office complex with a warehouse. I've planted flowers out front, so it's a positive thing when you're walking in in the morning. To the color of our walls in their office, we have positive things painted in murals throughout the office. Too, it was uh, very exciting. The first month, we had everybody enrolled in company-paid insurance. That was an awesome thing. Uh, I was so excited to do it, and then I saw the bill. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's an investment, and that's something you have to you know realize when you're making these kind of investments for a. a a cultural development, the long-term ROI, your your investment in culture and your investment in your team and your people. Sometimes it might be expensive, but my goodness, the uh, the amount of people that have come in and said thank you, this this insurance is great. This is you know half half of the expense I've ever had to pay for my family in the past, and and I'm getting twice the amount of benefits and just those kinds of things. So I know that you said that it's a long-term investment, but have you seen any of that return? On investment yet? Anything that you think is helping your business in the long run for making these little shifts? Absolutely. The amount of the the, the quality of people uh, we're able to attract because having you know um, created that culture, people are here, they're happy, and they're telling other people that are very noteworthy and have great experience. For example, I've, I've worked with people in my uh, past organizations that were. Some of the top sales performers, they saw what we we're doing here. One comes over, tells me, you know, this is this is where I want to be. This is I, I love it, and then tells somebody else. And now we have another person here, that top performer in the in the nation at a national organization, has has come over. So you know, um, being able to attract those kind of people, and similarly doing the same thing in installation. We had a, a gentleman who was 74 years old join us, and uh, he said, "Man, I wish I I knew about you guys 20 years ago. I." I've had a much better last half of my career. So it sounds like it's really important to get to know your employees, to invest in them, and then hopefully then they'll return the favor and trust you and stay at the company, which is a huge, huge thing right now since, one, on top of the huge labor shortage that we have, um, people are also leaving their jobs at a record rate. So have you found a way to find and keep quality employees? You've touched on it a little bit, but are there any specifics that you found or hiring techniques? One of our benefits is profit sharing. And I get the head nod, I get the big smile um, when we're explaining this when I'm onboarding someone. After five years of service, they have an opportunity to have equity in the company. Anyone from the person answering the phone to making appointments to the person, you know, in, in, installing a bathtub and anyone in between. So 
um, having that opportunity that they can be um, a part of the long-term success of an organization that they've helped build, um, it really seems to resonate with people. Something that was a given to me when I thought about what do I want to create in a company, being able to retain people when they see that long-term benefit that, um, you know, they may not have a college degree or hacking in a high school diploma, but they say, hey, I can be a part of something bigger than myself and my family can benefit from me staying at the same job. You know, this is a pretty great thing. So how has uh, retention been? We've been able to uh, attract and retain everyone that we've wanted to. Has there been a platform or a way that you found the best hires? Is it through referral? Is it through LinkedIn, ZipRecruiter? We've helped quite a bit of luck through people finding us doing, and I'm, I'm always surprised that they'll they'll find us doing a, like a Google search for home improvement or a bathroom installation or, or something of that nature, and they'll find us that way, and then they'll look us up and uh, then go to our careers page. We do place ads, and for managerial type of positions, we've had the best luck with Indeed, and for installer positions, we've had the best luck with Craigslist. With a caveat, when I started putting full company paid benefits in the job title, I started getting a lot better response. People that were serious about wanting to be an employee and not just looking for the next subcontractor position. And when asking people, why did you apply to our our, our ad? They're like, you're offering benefits. That's fantastic. You know, uh, so that's been a key to um, our recruitment success. So uh, thank you, Michelle, for joining me on the Women at Work podcast. Uh, Do you have any final words or advice to women who want to take the leap and start their own business? I think the biggest thing to do, and I wouldn't have been able to do it, if you need to make sure you have a good support network to do this because it's not easy. Um, it's not just time-wise. It's also, can I bounce some ideas off of someone? For me, that was my husband. He was uh, very supportive in, one, telling me, get out there and do it, and then, two, saying, how can I help? That was a huge aspect. Time was right for me, you know, because I, my one daughter is uh, almost 16 uh, in high school is, and is you know, successful doing her own thing um, and is very supportive of the company and, you know, how can she help and things like that. But if I didn't have that kind of support, I don't think I would have been able to, one, do this nearly as successful as we've been so far um, and had a good conscience that, one, I was fulfilling what I needed to um, at home as a, as, a, uh, as a mom and a partner and a spouse, and then, two, being successful as a business owner. Thanks to Michelle for joining me on the podcast and to all of you for listening. A link to more information about Better Home Texas and Parenting in the Workplace Institute are in the show notes. Women at Work is now available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere else where you get your audio. If you like what you're hearing so far, I'd love it if you took a minute to rate and review the show on whatever platform you use. And on a more personal note, uh, this will be my last episode as host of Women at Work. It's just really been a pleasure hosting, and I want to wish the best to my team members, Carolyn Broderick, Erica Mossy, and Denise Derson. Hopefully they'll see all of you, whether that's online or in person, at the Women at Work conference in 2021. Our next episode will feature another female professional who is making some serious moves in our industry. Until then, follow us on social and keep on working.